Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right. Good morning once again. Welcome to church. Uh, if you're new to us, my name is Bert. I'm one of the pastors here. And yeah, we're into a brand new series of messages called Summer Games, which we think you guys are going to dig. Uh, before I dive into the message, just a very quick word of congratulations to all of you who were baptized yesterday. What a beautiful day that was. Just uh, awesome. Oh, man. So proud of you guys for taking that step. Way to go. Um, also want to just say a quick thank you to the many of you who reached out to me this week Following last week's message, if you weren't here last week, we wrapped up the Identity Crisis series with a, a message on shame, and I shared a little bit of my own story. Uh, it's the first time I've talked about it from the pulpit, but my own kind of journey the last two and a half years trying to lead our church as a divorced person. Uh, I talked a little bit last week about a gathering of pastors that I got together with, and it was a situation where we all had to go around the circle and kind of introduce ourselves and tell our little story, and I knew I was going to be the only divorced person in the group, and that like the shame of it was like right up to here, and I just shared a little bit about my struggle with that and, and with other things in my life where I'm just falling short. And you were so kind uh, just reaching out to me and going, dude, thank you for your transparency. That's why we're here, and we love you. And I just got a lot of love this week, and I, I appreciate it. And it's one of those things where um, my hope is to, is, you know, we all fall short, right? But my hope is to, be, is, to, is, to, is to be holy in every area of my life. And as God works on me, you guys, it's, it's a weird thing when the— the church that the pastor ministers to ministers back to the pastor. And that was a cool thing that happened last week. You don't have to clap. Don't clap. It's not that kind of a moment. But I appreciated it. And, that, and, that, and that's not even what we're talking about today. I just need to say that before we get started with the sermon. You ready for the message now? Okay, cool. So here's the deal. We're into a brand new series of messages uh, called Summer Games. And we're talking, of course, not about the Olympics. No, 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 no. We're talking about board games. We're talking about the summer games that we play. So... Uh, I used to play board games a lot when I was a kid. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you guys did as well. Uh, you know, and then there was like a 10 or 15 year window of time when I didn't play any board games. And then I had children and started playing board games again. So uh, you kind of know how that works if you've been around. And today we're starting with the granddaddy of all board games, the most divisive board game in history, the, the board game that has divided more families than any board game in the history of time. I'm talking about, of course, <laughs> you already do. Yeah, Monopoly. Yeah, yeah. They should just put that on the box. Hey, if you're having a nice Thanksgiving, if, if, if there's not enough drama in your family, here's Monopoly. Is your family too nice to each other? Try Monopoly. Like, that should be how it goes, because there's something about Monopoly. It just brings out like just the teeth. It brings out the claws. It brings out the nasty in people. Have you experienced this? And yeah, many of you, right? You've been, oh, oh, we got some clapping up people for Monopoly. Yeah, okay. You guys are psyched about Monopoly. You know, <coughs> there's, there's something about, <coughs> I get so emotional. Um, there's something about Monopoly just brings out the claws. People don't get competitive when they're playing Candyland. Nobody ever gets mad if they lose at Candyland or shoots and ladders or something, right? But Monopoly, woo! <clears throat> now, if you've ever, if, I'm assuming most of you know how to play Monopoly. 
If you've never played Monopoly, you make your way around a board that was fashioned after Atlantic City. Um, and of course, there's tons of different versions of it. You can play, you know, there's Star Wars Monopoly and there's Lord of the Rings Monopoly and they have Monopoly boards that have been fashioned after whatever your favorite city may be, probably. Um, and your goal is, as you move around the board, your goal is to amass a wealth and real estate empire so vast that it crushes everyone else in the game. You win at Monopoly when everyone else is bankrupt and you have it all. That's Monopoly. When everybody else is bankrupt and you have it all, you win. Now, <clears throat> the great thing about Monopoly is we can do things in the game that we would never do in real life. Just spend ourselves to the very brink of bankruptcy, buy everything in sight. Now, you know, like as well as I do probably if you've ever played Monopoly, if you, you know, you go around the board, your first time or two around the board, you just buy everything. That's kind of commonly understood, you know, Monopoly strategy. You don't go your first time around the board and go, oh, I don't know if I can afford it. You buy everything. You just spend all the money. And if you get down to your last $2 coming around the board, that's okay because you know in a couple of pieces, you, a couple of turns, you're going to get to two, you know, get cross go and collect 200 and get yourself back in the game. So we don't worry too much if we spend ourselves into bankruptcy and we buy our, you know, we just buy up everything and buy things we can't afford because it's monopoly money. It's monopoly money. It's not real. You understand that as you enter the game. You're given a bunch of money. You didn't earn that money. It's just given to you at the start of the game. And so as you move around uh, through the game, you know, you, you, you trade that money for property and you buy and sell things and you invest. You have to invest to win at Monopoly. If you, if you don't ever buy property, you can't generate income and it's just gonna be all outflow. And that's just how it works. You have to invest to win. But ultimately, it's all monopoly money. It's fake money. There are no real world consequences to going bankrupt in the game of monopoly, other than the real world consequences of your brother-in-law wanting to stab you in the jugular with a salad fork, uh, depending on how the game went. Because there's something about this game, once again, that brings out teeth. Now, another interesting little factoid you may have observed about playing monopoly, even though it's play money. Even though it's not real money, there is no room for generosity in Monopoly. Have you noticed? Nobody is ever generous in Monopoly. The goal of Monopoly is to be ruthless. The only time anybody's ever generous in Monopoly is when you have like all the property in the world and you've got hotels on everything and you land on like Baltic and you owe somebody $8. You throw him a 10 and go, keep the change. I'm sure you'll need it more than me. <laughs> and you just, you know, you're just dismissive with your generosity. It's just, here you go, enjoy it. You know, th that's the only time there's th the generosity plays a part in your life if you're in, if you're in this game. And what struck me thinking about all this is how many people live their lives just like that in the real world. 
The number of people who live their lives in the, in the, in the real world with no room for generosity. Living a life where it's, it's just everything is for me and everything is for right now. And you may have observed this in your life. Maybe you've seen it in other people's lives. This is like a life hack, okay? This is like a, a universal truth, life hack coming your way. You don't even have to be a Christian to observe the truth in this. Being self-centered eventually makes you miserable. Have you seen that in life? Have you observed it? Because every miserable, like, stressed out, grasping, clutching person you've ever met in your life struggles with self-centeredness. It's a fact. In fact, the antidote for that is outward-bound living. When you live to honor God, when you live to love others, when you live to serve those around you, it brings up joy. It, it, it causes good things to come up out of you. You yourself feel refreshed. And this, herein lies the great, like Jesus logic of the equation. When you focus on what you want and getting all that you want, you might get everything on your list and still be miserable. But if you focus on honoring God and, and, and looking to the needs of others, you'll have all that, all that you wanted and more, and you'll be more satisfied, potentially with even fewer things, and live a richer, more full life. That's how the, that's how the Lord breaks it down for us. Now, before I say another word, I know some of you already know where I'm going, because if you go to church here, you've heard me say this before, but I have to, okay? So just bear with me for like 45 seconds while I get this out. If you're new to our church, I understand that you might be a little uncomfortable right now because I'm talking about generosity. And anytime a preacher talks about generosity, there's, there's like an inherent distrust. There's an inherent, if you're new, I don't know this guy, I don't know this place, I don't know, I'm not sure, and I get it. So I'm just gonna say this to you real quick like I do every time we talk about finances here. If you don't trust me or you don't trust this place, I totally understand that. So give the money away someplace else. Don't let that distrust rob you of discovering how great it feels to be outward bound. Go find somebody you do believe in. Go find an, an organization or a charity that you do believe in and give the money away there so you can unlock this stuff. Don't, don't, don't let uh, potential distrust of organized religion rob you of, of experiencing how amazing this kind of living makes you feel. Okay? Now with that, I want to head into something that Jesus said. Jesus spoke to this like right head on in the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke chapter 16, uh, verse 13. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So what Jesus is saying here to us, he's using the analogy of a first century slave. He's saying, you can't, you can't serve two masters. It's impossible. And understand this. This is not a prohibitive statement. Jesus is not saying you shouldn't serve two masters. It's a bad idea to serve two masters. It's a sin to serve two masters. That's not, none of that is what appears in the text. What appears in the text is a simple statement of fact. You can't. You can't serve two masters. It simply does not work. At some point, 
One will have to take priority over the other. At some point, you're going to have to decide which one is really in charge. At some point, you're going to be called upon to do two different tasks. And if, if, you are, if you have pledged allegiance to two different masters, and two different masters are claiming ownership of you, and you're acknowledging ownership, and you, you've, got, you've got two literal masters, there's just going to come a point where that is not going to work. You're going to have to decide... And there's a lot of people today. Now, if you're, if you're new to church, you know, this is kind of a new thing for you. I get it. When I talk about generosity, you know, you're kind of thinking, okay, I got it. Uh, maybe generosity for you looks like when you're driving home and you see the dude on the side of the road with the sign. You know, maybe you give him a few dollars when you normally wouldn't. Or maybe there's somebody in your life or an organization in your life that you love and you're going to send them some money. That's great. That's a good Good start. What Jesus is calling you to, if you're a believer, if you've self-identified as his, what he's calling you and I to is tithing. He's calling us to offer up the first 10% of what comes in as an offering to him. He is, in fact, claiming it as his own. And he's saying, if you're mine, this is how it goes. If you and I are, are together in this and we're locked in, this is how it goes. And what happens is, is this. N next... Uh, Next week, I'm going to be talking about Trivial Pursuit. Any fans of Trivial Pursuit in the room? A couple of you? I love that game because I have a, a memory for really random stuff. Uh, I love remembering random stuff that is useless. But uh, you may, if you know Trivial Pursuit, there's a pie piece, and you travel around, and you put the little pie pieces together as you answer questions, and there's nothing better than winning at Trivial Pursuit because you can put the last piece of the thing in the puzzle, and if you're OCD, it's just the greatest day ever, okay? So you put that little thing in there, and then you feel good. But here's the deal. Here's what I've noticed, and here's what a lot of other pastors have noticed. When it comes to our relationship with God and our life, that pie piece, the slice of our life that touches our finances is usually the last thing we yield to God. It is often the last thing that people give up. It's the last thing people give ownership to. It's the last thing people, it's, it's the one other master that we tend to want to keep on the side and we say, God, I'm yours and I believe in you and I'm going to sing the songs and pray the prayers and I'm going I'm to walk this walk with you, but on that issue, don't touch it. On that issue, I don't want to talk about it. On that issue, I'm going I'm to leave room over here. And God is calling you and I and saying, you just can't have two masters. And the master that Jesus names as the most likely master that you're going to end up serving besides him, is money. Because that's what we perseverate on. That's what we think about. That's where our lives aim at. But he's calling us to faithfulness. He's calling us to yield in this. We, we, talked, uh, we talked last week a little bit about, uh, you know, what it's like to be a single adult, yeah? Single ladies in the room, let's take a little journey, shall we? Imagine for a moment uh, you enter a day, you know, Romeo shows up, the man of your dreams shows up, and he's good looking, and he's handsome, and he doesn't live in his parents' basement, so things are good. And you guys have a great relationship, and an appropriate amount of time goes by, like maybe you're dating a year, and you're just, oh, you've fallen in love, and everything's working beautifully, and whether it's a year or two years, whatever, whatever your particular timeline works out to be, the time comes when you start thinking, oh, he's going to ask, he's going to ask the question, and your friends are like, is he going to ask, is he going to ask, and you're like, I hope so. 
and you don't know. You're just, you're just all geeked out and you're all excited. And then, you know, the, the, the day comes, maybe it's an anniversary or a special trip or something, and, and you, he takes you out for a nice dinner, and you go for a walk on the beach, and you notice something in his shirt pocket that's shaped like a square, and you're like, oh, this is going to happen, it's going to happen, and you're all freaked out. And then you're down on the beach, and he gets down on one knee, and he opens the box, and there's this blinding ring, and you go, oh, my Lord, wow. And then he just says, no, listen, listen, listen. If you, if you, uh, insert your name, would, would, would do me the honor of being my wife, I promise that I am going to make you the center of my attention and my affection. You will be the one I love and live for. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 364 days a year, without fail, I'm yours. Will you marry me? In that moment, you're going to go, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is like, oh, I've been waiting for this for so long. Just one thing. And I'm sure it's just a clerical error, you know. Uh, sure, maybe it was just a Freudian slip, perhaps. Uh, maybe, you, or maybe you just forgot, or maybe you're just not that bright. Maybe you didn't know. There are 365 days in the year. Did that get past any of you? There are 365 days in the year. And you said, just, just so we're clear, I mean, I'm very excited, but I want to be sure before, like, I put the ring on the finger and say the words, uh, I just want to be super, super, duper clear that um, we're talking about the same thing here because you said that you would you'd put me first and, and you'd be mine and you'd be faithful to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 364 days a year, and I just want to make sure you know that there's 364 five days in the year. At which point Romeo, goes, Romeo stands up and looks at you and says, well, I mean, don't be unreasonable. I'm going to be in this full on and without fail 364 days a year. One day a year, you're really going to be that upset about this? One day a year, you're going to hold me to that? One day, you, you, you know, if, if I'm faithful to you all the whole year long and then there's like just one day a year where I go out and hook up with somebody else or go do something else or behave as if, as if I'm not, really it's that big a deal to you? Because I mean the very next day I'm coming back and we start a whole new 364. You know, I mean I'm in this. You would never say yes, I hope you would never say yes to that proposal. Some of you are like, depends on how good looking he is. Don't, don't, this is not that. None of you would ever say yes to a proposal like that. No man or woman would ever say, absolutely, I'll take it. I'm happy that you'll be faithful to me 364 days a year. Let's go. Let's. You would never do that. You would never accept that. You would say, no, 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 no. If you're going to be faithful to me, this is an all or nothing thing. That's what marriage is. That's how this works. What would make us think that God would receive anything less from us? What would make us think that God is going to be okay with us going, yeah, you can have every other area of my life, just don't touch this. I'll serve you all 364, you know, 23, 6, whatever. We make, we make compromises, we make room, we put things in our life, in our life, and allow things to be in our life that ought not to be there. And this is one of them. And if you, listen, if you, I'm filling in the blank for myself, I learned to tithe 
very, you know, at, at a pretty young age, and it has been nothing but blessing to me. It's been wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So with this, I just think of another area of my life, because we all have areas of our life where we haven't yielded to the Lord. We all have areas of our life where we've made room for something that probably needs to, to get dealt with. I do, and you do, we all do. So, so I want to ch challenge you, whatever that might be, seek the Lord and look for it. Seek the Lord and look for it. You will never regret the day you yielded. You'll never regret the day you say, you know what, that missing pie piece, that thing that I have withheld, I'm going to give that to you. This is all for you. I'm all yours. And if that issue is your finances, start now. Here's why. Because someday you're going to have financial difficulties. Yes? Someday we're all going to have, will you say yes to this corporately? We're all someday going to have some financial difficulties. They come for all of us. I mean, I'm not praying this over you, but I just feel like it's a statement of fact. We're all going to have something like that in our life. At some point, you will lose a job or be demoted or have to take a pay cut. At some point, the real estate market will turn in a way that, that, that affects you or your investments will tank or there'll be a fire or there'll be an accident or there'll be a damage or there'll be a thing that comes your way or an unforeseen string of medical expenses. I mean, there's just, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make you paranoid, but there's any one of a hundred catastrophic things that could touch our lives at any moment. And when that moment comes, you're going to pray. You will pray in that moment. You're going to pray. If you've been tithing, if you honored God when times were good, when that, when that catastrophe comes, whatever shape it takes, you're able in that moment to pray and say, God, I honored you when times were good. I'm going to honor you now when times are bad. I trusted you when times were good. I'm going to trust you now when times were bad. This, I have honored you, and this is all in your hands. And if you bring this my way, I'm going to receive it and try to wrestle through it. But I'm not going to worry because I know I did the right thing by you in this area of my life. Now, you may not pray those words because those were my words, but you'll have that kind of confidence because you know you did the right thing when times were good. Here's, here's what you won't pray. Ready? Hashtag stuff people have never prayed before in their life ever. You're not going to pray, God, I'm in trouble. There, there's a financial, you know, a, a financial hardship has come my way, and, and it's really, really difficult. But I've been withholding my tithe from you for all these years, so I have plenty of extra money to deal with it. Thanks. You're never going to pray that. You're never going to pray that prayer. You're never going to say, yeah, I had all kinds of, I'm having a real difficult time, but you know what I did? I withheld my tithe from you, and now I have more than enough. That's just not how it works. You start living outward bounds. You start living your life to honor God in every area. You live your life to love others and to serve all in all that you do, particularly in this area, this one place that God identifies as the place we're most likely to try to have two masters. If we can yield that area to him and say, I'm going to live according to what he's called me to do, you, you, ready, you ready for another life hack? 
Here's another life hack. Ready? Here it comes. It's all monopoly money. It's all monopoly money. Our money hasn't been tied to a gold standard in years. It has value because we agree that it has value. In the game of Monopoly, it has value because within the game, you agree that it has value, but the game ends. This game ends. What have we invested in during our time on this planet that will forward the kingdom of God and be a blessing to the world around us? The rest of it just doesn't last. And if we live our lives like some do embedded in the game of Monopoly with no room for generosity, we'll miss out on one of the greatest parts of life, seeing the things that God's trusted us with flow out to be a blessing to the world around us. Don't miss out on that. Don't miss that. Invest well with the time and the funds that you have been given and honor God in all these areas, you will never regret the day that you, you start doing that. And with that, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for an opportunity this morning to learn, because we all struggle with this. We all wrestle with wanting more things and better things and upgraded things and bigger things. And we thank you that we live in a place where, where we can have some of those things. Father, just keep us from being so focused on those things that we forget why you entrusted us with anything. Help us to be a people who yield to you in every single area of our life, in particular this one, this one area that you point to and say we're likely to struggle, this one area that you identify as the place we're most likely to try to worship another god. Give us conviction and nudge us and cause us to yield to you in this place that we might experience the way that you bless, have blessed so many before who live their lives generously. May that be so in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.